Good to 2 Kings chapter 6. And while you're turning there, I've got a little story to tell you. Really, this story is for Awanda and Sharon. <clears throat> Back when I worked at Ambassador Baptist College, I was a facilities manager there. The main auditorium sat about 900 people. It wasn't, wasn't quite a 1,000, but it was a big auditorium. And in the summertime, particularly at graduation time with the baccalaureate and all the services and all, you get an influx of six to 800 people in, into a building in a matter of about 10 minutes. Um, the temperature goes up uh, quickly. And then, and then you start singing. And, and, and you know, the, it, it, it is a real thing that when people sing, Humidity is put out into the air uh, just by natural voice. And then all of this stuff, well, it takes a few minutes for the air conditioning system in a building that big to, to get the temperature back down. Well, the president of the college used to complain all the time. It's not cold enough in here. And he, and he, would, he just would bend my ear. And I would say, sir, it takes time for the system to recover and to pump all the humidity back out of the building and bring the temp, you know, I explained and he's like, I don't care. You know, man, he, man, he just yelled at me. So I talked to the, the guy that worked for me, the, the heating and air guy. And I said, what would it take to put a dummy thermostat on the platform right next to his chair so that he could adjust the temperature. At least he thinks he's adjusting the temperature. So we, we <laughs> so <clears throat> we energized a, a, a thermostat that went nowhere. Okay, and and, and it was it was so funny because ten minutes before the service, it's nice and cool, and he's oh okay, you know, and okay, real good, Rick. Well, as soon as everybody comes in, the temperature. Well, he'd go over and he, you know, and. And uh, and after the after the service, I asked him. So how did that new thermostat work? Oh, we're great. <laughs> so if you come in next Sunday and there's a thermostat sitting there, uh, play with it all you want. <laughs> oh. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <clears throat> but it, it's amazing! It's amazing what the mind can do. Uh, it, it, that thermostat changed nothing, except in his mind. <laughs> now, if any of you ever tell him I did that, I will deny it to the death. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Second Kings, Second Kings, chapter six. <clears throat> One of the things that uh, I have tried to teach over the last ten years is the need for us as believers to rightly divide the Word of God. Um, <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 is a verse that hopefully, if you, or if you are not familiar with it yet, you will be very familiar with it um, because it's an important verse in Scripture. Uh, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. <clears throat> I, for a long time, thought I knew what it meant to rightly divide the word of God. Can anybody tell me 
what you think it means to rightly divide the Word of God? And this is not a loaded question, by the way. As a, Okay, uh, time time frames and and people groups uh, definitely have a big part of that. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, literal and metaphorical. Okay, <clears throat> I looked it up because I I thought I understood what it meant, and th- this is what it literally means. Now get this, it literally means as cutting a straight road through a difficult terrain. Okay, now, and when I first read that, I thought, okay, I get that. And and I, I pictured, if you would, uh, I-80 between here and Reno. Okay, I mean, is that not... Is that not going through difficult terrain in places? You, you, you know what I'm saying? But that's not what this word, that's not what this means. The word straight is in there. It means cutting a straight road through difficult terrain. Think about that. How many straight roads have you ever been on? That's about the only place. But it's easy to put a straight road in the desert, is it not? See, rightly dividing the Word of God is not supposed to be easy. Understanding Scripture and the meaning of Scripture is is hard work. It shouldn't be something that we take lightly. Now, if you've ever been on I-80 east of... um, uh, no, um, Wendover, <clears throat> going through the Salt Flats, 50 miles, straight road. But, but, but it's, easy. it's easy out there. There's no obstacles. Try putting in a straight road between here and Reno. Oh, you'd be, you'd be it, it, would take, it would take centuries of hard work. See, that is, the, that, is how, that is how we are to look at the Word of God. <clears throat> there is only one interpretation of Scripture. <clears throat> but there can be multiple applications to Scripture. Do you, do you all understand that? Okay, let me, let me read you a definition here of uh, interpretation. The action of explaining the meaning of something, what is, uh, it's what a passage means. It's the principle or the point that the author sought to communicate directly to the uh, original readers. So the interpretation is what is being said. That's the interpretation. Now... <clears throat> 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Knowing this first, that no private, uh, or excuse me, no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. <clears throat> for, the, uh, for the prophecy came not in old times as the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Basically, what we're seeing here in, in 2 Peter chapter 1 is that it's, if, if somebody says... 
and, and you see this a lot on the internet, somebody says, hey, I have a new revelation from God. Peter tells us that, that that's a false prophet. They're, they're lying. There is no private interpretation. The, the, the information that is available to me is available to each of us. God has hidden nothing. It is up to us to understand it. Now, application is, is the action of putting <clears throat> something into operation. What does a passage mean uh, to anyone uh, other than the original intended reader? Uh, it, it's, it's how the principle or the point of the passage applies to the lives of those who read it. So the, the, the principle then of application then becomes, okay, how can I then apply this to my life today? Obviously, Scripture was written many, many years ago. But is Scripture applicable in 21st century America? Absolutely it is. It's as applicable today as it was a thousand years ago, 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago. So the the principle then is there is one uh, interpretation, multiple applications. The story that we are getting ready to read in in 2 Kings, I, I have to admit, for years, uh, I personally wondered why it was even in Scripture. Just being honest. I, 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 I've heard it preached on, and to be perfectly honest, it, it, it seemed to be just a little random. There's, it's uh, seven verses in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. We'll read it in a minute. But it was just this passage of scripture that just always seemed a little random to me and as I was getting closer to this I I kept thinking oh God can I just skip over these seven verses because I really it doesn't make any sense to me Uh, but you know how God is God uh, said no you're gonna you're gonna preach every word of God that's what the Bible says so I knuckled down and I did some study, and I'll tell you what, God bless my heart. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5, every word of God is pure. Every word. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Every word of God is pure. And I want to thank God for this very simple passage this evening. And, and, and as we read it, you may think, Wow, I, I love this passage of Scripture, and I, I hope you do. But like I said, to me it has always been a, a little bit random, and I've always wondered, what is the point of all of this? Because I knew there was a point, I just didn't, I never got it. So anyway, <clears throat> Second Kings chapter 6, let's start reading in verse 1. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elijah, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee, is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto the, unto Jordan, and take hence, uh, th- and take thence uh, every man a beam, and let us make us a place where 
<clears throat> there where uh, we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go uh, with thy servant. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was failing at a beam, uh, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place, and, and he uh, cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore, said he, Take it up unto thee. And he put out his hand and took it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for your word. And I want to thank you for the power of the word. And Lord, we ask that you would speak to our hearts tonight, and that you would help us to be more like you because of this time together. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Very simple. The title of my message tonight is The Axe Head. Uh, it, it, again, this is one of those stories that just seemed always a little random to me. I, you know, I thought, okay, so what? The axe head fell off. It happens all the time. I, 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 I have, I have been swinging sledgehammers when uh, the, the the head came off. I, I even played golf one time when the the head of my golf club came off. <laughs> I mean, it, it is a it is a weird sensation. But things like that happen. And, and I've thought, what's, what's the big deal? Well, before I get ahead of myself, I need to kind of explain what's going on. What it is, is Elijah, when he took over as the prophet, the head prophet of the, the northern tribes of Israel, uh, he also assumed the responsibility of the schools of the prophets. Uh, there were three, at least three. There, some some of the people I read uh, say that there were more than three, but we know of at least three. Uh, one in Bethel, uh, Jericho, and Gilgal. Now <clears throat> we don't, they, we're not told which one that this is, but we're assuming it's Gilgal because it's located very close to the Jordan River. So <clears throat> chances are this is this is the school of the prophet. Um, if you're interested. <clears throat> apparently under Elisha's ministry the schools of the prophets started to to grow and they come to Elisha in verse 1 and say look <clears throat> we've we've outgrown our facilities we need we need another school bigger school or I, I, I'm, it's not to me. It's not clear if they if they built a new one or that they just expanded the one that they were in. We don't know. Um, but anyway, they needed a new facility, and <clears throat> obviously under Elisha's ministry, things were starting to grow in that area. So point number one, first thing I want to look at is the leadership of Elijah. And uh, in, in reading this story through the years, I've ne I never noticed his leadership skills uh, in these verses. Look at verse 3. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. <clears throat> 
What an incredible example of servant leadership. Now, did Elisha have to go? No. The, the, the students come to him and said, hey, Elisha, you know, we're, we're outgrowing our facility. We need to either expand it or build a new one or whatever they wanted to do. And Elijah's like, okay, go ahead. But Elijah went at their request. Servant leadership. Servant leadership is best defined by Jesus himself. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 27, uh, the Bible says, But Jesus called unto, unto him and said, Ye know that the, prince, the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that uh, are great exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. There is a common misunderstanding about leadership in our world today. And leadership is not the exercise of authority over others. True leadership is servant leadership. Uh, let, let, me, let, me, let me help you, you parents, you husbands and you wives. If, if you're struggling in your relationship with your, with your spouse, try being a servant to them. Recently, I was doing some counseling with a, a young couple in one of the complaints, and it's nobody here, okay? So if this is happening in your home, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Ooh, ooh, ooh. So if this is happening in your home, this is, I'm not talking about you, okay? Well, but maybe you need to hear this. But anyway, the, 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 the um, uh, well, I'll just call it, the, the male was the only one who works in this relationship, um, uh, would have to go to work at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, come home uh, and cook and, and, and clean the house and do all the things because she didn't like to cook. Now, I'm sorry, okay? I, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't like to cook either, but I, th that's just not fair. But, but... Let, let me say this. I had, a, I had a really long talk with them, gave them some ideas. And the last time we talked, uh, she actually made hamburger helper. Hey, hey, you know what? And, and that relationship, that is, that is huge. But, you know, what is she trying to do? She's trying to, be, she's trying to become that servant leader. And, and praise God for that. Now, I, I am not, what, what I'm about to say here, and those of you that know me know I'm not political, okay? My personal life, I have political opinions, but from the pulpit, I don't, I don't do that. <clears throat> but this week, and, and again, this is, this is not a political statement. This is just a, an observation. How many of you saw some or part of the Democratic um, uh, debates? Okay, I, I, I didn't see a lot, 
but I saw some, and most mostly was just snippets and here and there. <clears throat> How many of those candidates? And and I, I would be saying this about the Republicans too. So again, this is not a political statement. But how many of those candidates were humble? How how many of them are grasping for more power? Every one of them. And I I, I sat there and and I listened to these these little snippets and it, it it broke my heart because they have no idea what it means to be a true leader just because you have power does not make you a leader and elisha here recognizes that you know <clears throat> for the best we know Elisha was not a builder. You know, before before he was a prophet, he was he was running oxen in the fields. But what was he trying to do? He's trying to encourage encourage the students. What a, what an incredible picture of of student or student leadership, uh, servant leadership. The bottom line is that we do not need to copy the leadership of this world in our homes, in our churches. Jesus said, we need to be different. Our homes need to be different. Our churches need to be different. We need to be different. Number two, the lost axe head. Look at verses 4 and 5. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. Earlier I made the statement that I've just always thought that this was just a a random story. Never really put a lot of credence into it because, to be perfectly honest, what would we do in that very same situation? Just go down to Lowe's and buy a new axe, wouldn't we? I mean, that's what that's what we would do, huh? (laughs) Well, obviously, it was high enough that he couldn't go get it, so. Uh, but honestly, that has always been my attitude. So what? Axe heads fall off all the time. It, it's not. It's not the end of the world, or is it? <clears throat> it was such a problem. Now, now get that. I didn't. I didn't know this until I studied this passage. But axe heads coming off and actually killing people was a big problem. It was it was such a problem that God included it in the Mosaic law. In Deuteronomy, I didn't know this. This is this was all new to me. In Deuteronomy chapter 19 verses 4 and 5, it says, "And this is the case of the slayer which shall flee thither that he may live, 
Whosoever killeth his neighbor ignorantly, whom he hated uh, not in, a, in, in time past, as when a man goeth into the woods with his neighbor to hew wood, and his hand fletcheth a stroke with an axe and cut down a, uh, uh, the tree, and the head slippeth from the head, the, the head or the, the handle, and lighteth upon his neighbor that he may die, he shall flee unto the, those cities uh, alive. In other words, it's not murder, okay? Uh, what, you know, God, what God is saying here is, um, and those of you that are familiar with the Old Testament know that what sanctuary cities are. Um, what God was saying is, hey, this guy has the opportunity to flee to a sanctuary city and lit- litigate his case before you guys string him up, basically. So axe heads coming off killing people must have been a big deal. So God put it in to the Mosaic Law. Another here's a, here's a few more thoughts about about it that I that I learned that metal axe heads back then were incredibly rare and super expensive. So here you have a college student, i.e. broke, <clears throat> a Bible college student on top of that, can't get a federal student loan, <clears throat> and he's broke. And what does he say to Elijah? It's borrowed. It's not mine. Do you sense the panic in the voice? Now, one of the things that as I started reading this, something kind of, it just kind of made sense to me. Obviously, if deathly, uh, in death, de- death or injuries, excuse me, and even death was a common thing with axe heads. Then, when people were chopping, um, they would do it in such a way that if something like this happened, uh, nobody would get hurt. Does that make sense? And here we see where does the axe head land in the river. So. At least the way I understand it is this kid, this this individual, is a conscientious woodchopper, if you would. Okay? His distress, more than likely, is due to the fact that now he has to pay for a new axe head. Um, I, I had... I don't know. I didn't think to to look it up. I don't know if the information would even be available, but it was probably uh, several several months worth of pay just to to buy an axe head. There's an important lesson here. Please get this. Be careful what you loan. Okay. <clears throat> And on top of that, be careful what you borrow. If if I borrow something and it breaks in my 
possession, that, that's the word. And it breaks in my possession, guess what? I'm buying a new one. I, 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 was, I, I, was helping, I was helping a friend, and I was using his drill, and I broke it. Well, I didn't break it. It just it was about 600 years old, and, and it just finally died, but it died while I was using it. And I was helping him, and I still went and bought him a new one. I just have a policy that I don't let anybody borrow anything that I cannot afford to give them. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and it all comes and it, it all comes from one verse in, in the Bible. Exodus chapter twenty two, verse fourteen. And if a man borrow aught of his neighbor, and it be hurt or die, the neighbor thereof being not with it, he shall surely make it good. Now, this is obviously talking about an animal, but animals back then were just tools. You break it, you buy it, baby. And, that, and that's the way it should be. <clears throat> And this is what I believe was the, the, the distress point for this young Bible student was the fact that now he was going to have to repay this man. Another part of this story that, that yes, sir? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> See, one of the one of the other parts of this story that has really not ever made a lot of sense to me is why didn't he just go in the water and get the thing? Okay, I I just well maybe yeah maybe he couldn't swim. Yeah, he didn't have it. He he didn't have his OSHA approved floaties. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, okay, yes. See, that's that's a big point. Uh, the Jordan River, uh, many of you know, was a, an absolutely muddy, filthy river. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't see in there. Um, but I, you know, my still, I'm like, okay, you can feel around with your feet. You know the general area that it's at. He told Elijah where it was, but we don't know the condition of the river and so on and so forth. So so we kind of have to cut the kids some slack, okay? Um, so we don't know. Uh, all of it, because if it if it was that easy, I would imagine Elijah would have said, "Just go get it, stupid," you know. But anyway, we we don't know. <clears throat> but we're going to change directions here for a second, because <clears throat> there is a couple of applications that I want to make here. Two completely, totally different applications. Application number one. Let's read verses five to seven. But as one was felling a beam, <clears throat> the exhale had fell into the river or into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, <clears throat> Where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it into in thither. And the iron did swim. Now, is that a miracle? Absolutely, it's a miracle. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I've never seen iron swim. Amen. You know. Uh, Therefore, uh, said he, take, take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. Now, as I studied this passage of Scripture, it dawned on me that the axe head is representative of something. Would, would, that, would that make sense? Okay. Obviously, <clears throat> this story is here so that we can apply the story to our, to our lives. Is that not right? Because it's not here to entertain us. It's here so that we can make application. And as I started studying and I started praying and, and looking at this passage, passage of Scripture, it dawned on me that, that one of the applications that we can make here is that, the, that the, 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 the axe head here represents the power of God in our lives. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. <clears throat> because this young man was consumed with doing the work of God, was he not? He was, he, was, he was flailing away at this, at this log. And, and every time he hit the wood, uh, the, the, the um, sparks would fly. Uh, 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 sawdust and chips of wood would go flying. And he's, and he's working away and working away and working away. And he was so busy doing the work of God that he forgot to take care of the power of God in his life. Think about this. What happened when the head flew off? It didn't work anymore. And see, one of the one of the traps that you and I can fall into is we get so busy doing the work of God that we forget to maintain the power of God. Now, What do you think? Now, I, like I said, I, I've had sledgehammer heads come off, and and I have a I have a pick in my garage that I absolutely hate because it's always coming off. How many of y'all have one of those? <laughs> yeah, you 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 can only wedge it so many times. But but do you do you realize? <clears throat> see. Is there, how do I want to, how do I want to put this? Before the head comes off, are there warning signs to the wood chopper that the head's about to come off? Okay, what, what are those warning signs? Okay, it'd be wobbly. When, when, you're, when you're swinging it, you actually can feel shift, uh, weight shift changing. Okay, does that make sense? Because it's, it's moving when it hits the wood, it's not going to be a solid. It's not going to be a solid hit. It's going to vibrate in your hands. There's going to be a lot of warning signs. But but what what did this young man do with those warning signs? He ignored them. Now, think back into our lives. How often do we get so busy doing the work of God, and God is over here saying, "Hey, don't forget about me." 
the warning signs in our lives, the bells start going off and we're like, but God, I'm serving you. He, and God says, no, I'd rather talk to you. I'd rather spend time with you. Let me ask you a question. Those of you that are familiar with this type of thing, <clears throat> what do you do to an axe to keep the head from coming off? You soak it in water. And what else do you do? Duct tape. <laughs> okay. After you, okay, by soaking it in water, what does it do? It swells the wood, right? <clears throat> then what else can you do? You, you drive wedges in it, and that, and that, and that expands it as well. <laughs> Question. What should we do to maintain our power with God? Put our head in the bucket. Ephesians chapter 5, verse six, uh, 26, excuse me, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it by the washing of the what? Water by the word. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplications in, in, in the Spirit and, and watching thereunto with all uh, uh, per, uh, pers perseverance and supplication for all, all the saints. <clears throat> How much time have you spent in the Word? How much time, honestly, have you spent soaking your head in the water See, a good woodsman would spend hours soaking his axe so the head wouldn't come off. But yet, oftentimes, we get so busy serving God, we, we neglect the very thing that we need the most. And, and as I, just so that we can make application, <clears throat> the, the, the last verse that I read uh, <clears throat> about prayer, I, I picture the wedges that you put in as, as, as your prayer life. How much time have you spent praying this week? How much time have you spent diligently preparing so that the axe head, the, the, that, that, that your power will stay on the axe, uh, on the axe handle? Again, that's just one of two applications that I saw from this passage. The second application, and I, I'm, I've got to move quickly here. <clears throat> Let's think about this axe head. It's, it's laying in a, in, in a muddy river. It's dormant on the bottom of a river. Think, try, try, and, try and stick with me here because what, as, I, as, as I started thinking about this and, and, and it, 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 it changed my perspective of the story. But here you have this axe head laying dormant in the bottom of a muddy river. And what does it need? It needs to be resurrected, does it not? 
It needs to be restored to its owner. It needs to be placed back on to the handle so that it can become useful, does it not? Now, now bear with me. I know this may be a stretch, but God, God spoke to my heart through this. What about unsaved men? Are they not dormant, lying in the mire of humanity? Do they not need to be resurrected or risen out of that mire? Do they not need to be restored to their owner, God? Do they not need to be placed back onto the handle and become useful again? See, we live in a world where people desperately need to be brought out of the mire of this world. And, and the problem is, and, and the testimony I gave earlier reflects a lot of what, what, I, what I think I'm trying to communicate here is the fact that the people yesterday, they were so deep in the mire of humanity, they could not see the goodness of God that surrounds them. What about a saved person? Somebody who is saved, that, that this could be representative of them too get so consumed with the things of this world and get caught up in the mire of this world, you need to be brought out of it too. And I personally believe that this whole story revolves around a single verse. Look at verse 6. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut a stick, and he cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. What is the turning point in this story? I'm sorry? No. It was the stick. It was the stick that made it float. Now, again, application. There's only one, to me, there's only one application can be made here. What is the stick representative of? The cross of Christ. It is the cross that, <clears throat> in the first application that we made uh, <clears throat> with the power, it is the cross of Christ that restores power to our lives. It is the cross of Christ that makes a difference in your life and my life. It is the cross that makes the difference. What about in the second application? It is the cross that regenerates a dormant life, is it not? It is the cross that the 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 whole point of what I was trying to communicate yesterday with the, these people was the fact that they needed a savior. They needed Jesus Christ. It is that and that alone that's going to make the difference. And the only thing that made the difference in this story was the little stick that Elijah threw into the water representative of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. It is that stick that raises men out of the mire. It is that stick that restores us back to God in a right relationship. It is that stick that puts us back on the handle of God and makes us useful again.
Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. <clears throat> by the washing of the regeneration and, and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Psalm chapter 69, verse 14. Uh, Deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me and out of the deep waters. Wow, does that sound familiar? Psalm chapter 51, verse 12, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with, with uh, thy free spirit. The greatest miracle, the greatest miracle that takes place is the miracle of lifting humanity out of the mire. The blindness. Picture that axe head laying on the bottom of that nasty river. And if it were able to see, it would be able to see nothing. But it was the stick that made the difference. And it is, and it is Jesus Christ that will make the difference in your life. All the student had to do was reach out and take it. God did the rest. Interesting passage of Scripture. Seven verses that I had, I had written off as kind of abstract and really not meaning a whole lot. But when you break it down and you understand what God's trying to God, we could, and I'm sure there are many other applications that we can make on this passage. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ can make a difference in your life. Are you struggling with the mire of this world? Turn to Jesus Christ. Is your power, is the, the power of God in your life, has, has your axe head fallen off? And are you going through the motions and, and accomplishing nothing? Because I'm here to tell you, if you're doing the work of God in your flesh, you're accomplishing nothing. You need to soak your axe head in the Word. How much time have you spent in the Word? How much time have you spent praying? I can't, I, I can't make people read their Bible and pray. I can't do it. I have enough, I have a hard enough time doing it myself. But I'm here to tell you. We see an, ex an incredible example of, of Elijah's leadership skills. He didn't chastise the young man. He didn't say, "You idiot! You're not. What? What did you? Why did you borrow such an expensive tool?" He didn't. He didn't chew him out. What did he do? He just went over and he got the he got the the stick and he put it in the water and it floated. And he said, "Go get it."
but it all revolves around the cross of Christ. This evening, challenge is very, very simple tonight. What does your life look like? What does your inside life look like? Again, how much time have you spent in the Word? How much time have you spent praying? How much time have you spent in the things of God? And I'm here to tell you, and one of the one of the things Larry and Patricia teach our junior church, and they're only here on Sunday nights, and one of the things that I fear for them is this very thing. I don't, I don't want them to get so busy working, doing the work of God uh, that their axe head falls off. That's a scary thing for me. And we talked about that for a long time. And they have the right at any time to say, you know what, Pastor, we need to, we need to be done. Because the, the power of God in their lives is far more important than who's teaching down there. And we can get so caught up with the quote-unquote work of the ministry that we lose the power of God in our lives. Turn to the cross. Stay in the book. But it, again, it's an, to me, it's an incredible picture of what God has done for mankind. Willing to bring mankind out of the mire that we all struggle with. Let's pray.